Hi there and welcome to episode 6 of the Emu Wink podcast, a place for educators, parents and sports clubs alike. At Emu Wink we turn pupils into published authors, we help schools to record their history and we create publications that bring people together. Today I am joined by Cormac Venny, founder and CEO of Hip Psychology, which delivers high impact workshops to pupils, parents and staff of both primary and post-primary schools with a focus on behaviour, emotion, performance and well-being. Cormac, welcome to the studio. I'm sure that description has plenty of people interested. So let's start by you telling us a bit about hip psychology and where you started off. First of all, thanks for having me, Emer. Delighted to, no problem. Delighted <laughs> to, to be down. Um, yeah, so I started originally as a sports coach, GA coach, working in primary schools for a number of years. And I suppose within that role, I was observing called certain traits within pupils. You know, maybe if things weren't going their way, then maybe a tendency to give up or very maybe negative on themselves or maybe come exam time, you know, high levels of stress uh, with pupils and staff. So I just felt there was sort of a need to try and support those pupils. And I guess at that time, I didn't really have the, the skill set or the tools to do that. And I always did have an interest in psychology, masters in sports psychology as well. So it was coupled into that, but that sort of inspired me to, to go out to the States, America, just to... I guess, observe and learn what was happening out there. I spent eight weeks out there across the summer and I guess it was just seeing what was happening out there, how they were supporting children out there, I guess. And from that, I took, I suppose, ideas, um, ways of doing things and, yeah, brought brought them ideas back um, to Northern Ireland. Um, One of the places I spent time at was a place called IMG in Florida, which was amazing. And they were working with thousands of pupils, school-aged pupils across the summer. And yeah, that was the main inspiration I got to bring our programmes over here. Very good. And uh, just out of interest, why the States? Yeah, I I think I suppose in terms of, particularly in terms of sport, they're ahead of the game. You know, technology. No pun intended. No pun intended. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) But yeah, like, and... I suppose I had I'd built a couple of connections out there as well. And IMG, the places I told you I went that, where I went to, you know, they, like Serena Williams, uh, Pete Sampras, as young athletes went through their wow. program. So it was a high-end place and they had what they called, um, what was it called, a mental conditioning coaches. Okay. So there was 16 of them on site. So I was able to, for two weeks to just observe the different mental conditioning coaches, how they were able to connect and deliver content uh, to pupils and, and young athletes. Brilliant. So it was from that I was able to cherry pick ideas, concepts, themes. And one of the things they, they talk around was the concept of edutainment, where they educate and entertain. And that, to this day, remains at the core of how we deliver our programs. It needs to be fun, needs to be engaging, but you also need to be delivering, I guess, educational strategies that can help pupils with their emotional well-being. Okay, and what, uh, before we kind of get into the details of what you took from over there and brought uh, home with you, if you Mm. like, what was actually going on in schools at that time then? Like what sort of supports were there? Or when you say you recognise certain traits in pupils, was there no support system for that? Not, not, not really, no. Okay. Like not, I guess, potentially you had like, you know, one-to-one support, but that was for pupils with, with, you know, was great needs where I was looking at it across uh, a full class, okay. you know, and that's what we deliver is workshops that that target the everyone within the class. Okay, so you were finding that maybe 
traditionally it was students with additional needs mm-hmm. um, who were being supplied with people yeah. to help them, but the rest of your mainstream classroom or whatever wasn't actually getting that focus. Mm-hmm. Okay, brilliant. So you came home then from the States and where where did you go? With, where did hip psychology? Well, yeah, so I think the the, the role with, it was with Sport and I, it ended in 2015 and then I just sort of took a chance then to start my own business. But originally the majority of our work was within sports psychology. Um, so I worked with Ulster Rugby with their academy so that's working with the players and guys from whenever they leave school until they get into the senior setup Okay. So it's it's preparing them for professional sport. Did some work with Down GA as well. So what was that like? It was good. Yeah, you really know, good. The sports stuff was. Good. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I worked with Ulster for five seasons there. So brilliant. <sighs> brilliant because, like, I think I met one of the players like in the Armour Road in Belfast that I would have worked one to one with. Yeah. Uh, recently, and we were able to point pinpoint that from that five year process, I think twenty players had become professional, and there's three or four of them have now. Irish caps and one of them was involved in the Six Nations recently so wow. it was yeah it was it was high end stuff um, really really enjoyable yeah a great environment to work from and you learn a lot as well I learned a lot from from the players and the coaches within that yeah. uh, I mean, was that pretty early stage stuff as well I see like it's huge obviously uh-huh. now that kind of mental conditioning I see Tyke Furlong talking a lot about it this yeah. week like as well so it's it's they're building it in more I think like they're respecting I think mental yeah. health a lot more in sport, but in in those days, even it's not that long ago. Like, was was that fairly? Yeah, it would have been the players coming through. That would have been their ninety nine percent of them. That would have been their first exposure to it, their first experience of it. Wow, that's so, phenomenal yeah. to have those numbers then to see what a huge difference it made. And that was kind of older. So now, now you're talking schools. Now you're talking kind of younger pupils from say what age up? From eight up to eighteen. Okay, um, and then would. We'll, support staff as well staff development workshops would be very popular Yeah. Uh, in August time it runs baker days uh, yeah. and we would do stuff with parents as well workshops with parents but primarily the majority of our work is uh, with pupils yeah okay so let's break that down then mm-hmm. a little bit so we're, t- we're talking about behaviour emotion performance well-being yeah um, you have a lot of stuff going on there. How talk to us about your work in the north first, because this is what we know from from uh, September onwards is that you're uh, you're going big mm. uh, all across Ireland, yeah. um, and I think you'll you'll get a really good uh, reception. But for anyone listening, we have a lot of obviously educators listening. Mm-hmm. Where do you start? So somebody's interested in working with you. Where do you start, and why do they take you on? Yeah, well. I suppose to, to to capture what we do, we've in in primary schools we've got six workshops that we would primarily deliver. So that's from supporting pupils around tackling anxiety, anti bullying, transitions into the big school, enhancing resilience. We've a workshop as well around teach giving pupils psychological skills to cope with pressure that they face within their lives as well. So I suppose. What, what, what question did you ask me? Why why bring it on? Yeah, so what issues should schools be aware of? Like, well, what are they identifying uh, as a reason to bring you in, I suppose? Yeah, well, yeah, good question. Like, for so I'll, for Children's Mental Health Week there uh, last year past, we put in December of that year, so it's delivered across, what's that? It's February. Yeah. So we put surveys out to staff around, you know, what area would you like to see support? With, with your pupils and an alarming majority of it was around actually anxiety so and that was probably off the back of COVID mm-hmm. uh, to be fair and we took that information then and created a bespoke workshop based off the feedback from staff and that was around giving pupils skills and tools to help them that 
around the area of anxiety. So identifying, normalizing it, identifying when it's helpful and when it's unhelpful, and then taking away maybe four or five key strategies that they can be embedding, I suppose staff within the classroom, but then pupils that they can independently recognize and adopt these strategies within their day-to-day lives. But that has to be delivered through a fun interactive format. Okay, and how, so tell us a bit more about that. So when you say a strategy for anxiety, the first thing I think about is breathing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. that's one that's of the one of, Yeah, okay. there you go. You could be doing my job right, for yeah. me. Um, <laughs> in. And even um, though, I suppose one of the, the big things is is talking about it. It's been open and recognising and talking about it. So we, we took a clip from Britain's Got Talent where they paused one of the episodes for a minute to let people at home talk. So it was like they the, the stopped the show for one minute. Right, people at home, we want you to talk around, just the chat. So we delivered the same idea in the classroom where for that workshop, we showed the clip of Britain's Got Talent. We gave them three minutes to buddy up to the person beside you, just the chat. Mm. And I suppose there was a, a, a starting point at the start of the workshop where we helped children identify what maybe anxieties they may be facing in their lives. And then we finished the workshop where they discussed them with the, the, the child to the right, child to the left. Them. So then what we would be encouraging is that the, the schools that took part in that workshop, that them take maybe, you know, three minutes each week, five minutes each week yeah. to give that time to allow the pupils to, to, to chat it through. And that then just normalizes the concept of talking. Yes. And so what kind of difference did you feel that made it, like from a, an immediate point in the classroom? Because, you know, I'd be thinking back to my days at school now, if somebody gave me three minutes to talk, I'd be away with it. Yeah. I'm not too sure I'd be doing too much concentrating. You know, yeah. like, how is it? Are they actually talking about what they feel or are they talking about, you know, last night's football? Well, just, or just, yeah, just chatting the around the challenges that, that, that they do face. So you're trying to, you're trying to, I suppose, guide them towards talking around, you know, the concepts that are important to them. Yeah, and for some children, they mightn't be experiencing anxiety, and that's fine. But it's just normalising, like to talking about these things. Mm. For us, is that that was what what we found to be important. Yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds really good. And have you had just on that very small idea of giving those few minutes a week? Like, mm-hmm. have you gone back into schools where they've said, "Yes, we've implemented these four or five things, and it's changed things dramatically," or it's you know. Yeah, well, one of the concepts within our, our resilience workshop that we talk around is the idea of hunt the good. So that is yeah. where uh, it comes from the US military, actually, who are the, the biggest investors for resilience training in the world. So we try and take ideas and inspiration from sources from outside the classroom that are doing it to a good level and then implement yeah. it within the classroom. So we give the children the opportunity to, you know, within the workshop to, ref- on, to reflect on the good that's happened within their week, for example. Mm. So... We, we we carry this exercise out with a school in County Down, Kilku, actually. Um, oh, right. Yeah, you might have heard of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, All-Ireland Club champions yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. But but we delivered this idea and then we came back, I think it was six weeks later, to deliver a follow-on workshop, the Tackling Anxiety Workshop, and came into the classroom and in the, the wall in the classroom had created a Hunt the Good section. So when I chatted to the, the teacher about this, he said he wanted to, and I think it's I think it's actually important to embed this concept within the culture, within his, his classroom. And what they did is at the end of each week uh, on a Friday, the pupils reflect on the good that's occurred within their week and they just put it up on the wall, chatted around it. And again, you're embedding these concepts within the classroom, normalizing them and hopefully creating that idea where, where children 
will have the ability to, to look at the good. So I just thought that was a really powerful bit of teaching from a staff member. Very good um, habit to actually get kids yeah. into as well, like yeah. for like for life. Yeah, you know, to reflect every week on the because I think as as a race, like we do, kind of tend to focus on the negative things 100%. and let things get us down without a doubt. Um, so that's that's really good. Something you mentioned to me uh, before we came on here was um, kids identifying. So a lot of your work is anti-bullying, mm-hmm. and I know you want a big focus on that now. Coming as you spread your work around the country. Yeah. But you mentioned something that I thought was really interesting about kids identifying actually what bullying is because like I'm a, a mom of three young kids and I hear it all the time, like stories coming back from the schoolyard or somebody said something and like as an adult, I'm going like, oh, that might be a little bit, that's not very nice kind yeah. of. But it's like, ah, no, they were only messing or, you know, tell me a bit more about that, like how you help kids to identify when somebody is actually joking and being mm-hmm. friendly or when somebody is, you know, and how they stand up for themselves or what they actually do as a reaction. Yeah, so that's, that's well, that, that anti-bullying workshop that we're talking around, that's launched, that we're launching, um, probably get into this in a bit now, but we're launching yeah. our online uh, nationwide megathon program, which will be delivering across the year, but that starts in November with the anti-bullying workshop. So that's a, re- that's a, it's a really, really important, I suppose, week in our calendar yeah. Um. And really, suppose when you look at it, we would teach, talk to pupils like bullying. Bullying's absolutely mean, um, totally mean. But, but equally falsely accusing other pupils in the wrong mm. of bullying is is mean as well, because that's a nasty and tag a- to put in someone when they're not engaging in those behaviours. Yeah. So it's educating the pupils on what exactly bullying is and what it's not. So mm. you're looking at I suppose things along the lines of repeated behaviours, deliberate power imbalance so it, it's them being able to understand right this is bullying behaviour this is not bullying behaviour then we look at the different types of it verbal emotional sort of sneaky type uh, physical and then online and then like we so in the classroom itself we would try to make that really really interactive so we teach the pupils what it is and then via a Kahoot quiz I'm not sure if it is so basically oh it's a yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, so I we would fire scenarios up where the children have to decide is this example here, is this bullying or not bullying? Yes. And we would throw a couple of grey areas up there where there can be a bit of debate, but it's great to have that debate and disagreement because it allows children then to get to the core of what exactly bullying is yeah. and what it's not. And I suppose as well you'd hear children say, oh, it was only a bit of crack, we're only having fun, it was only a game. Mm. But we would be clear to the pupils, well, if it is fun, if some pupils aren't finding it fun, mm. well then it's probably not fun. Or if uh, pupils, some pupils... <laughs> aren't believing this to be a game then it's probably not a game so it's yeah. just like getting them to examine and identify those behaviours and even those excuses that would fire out as well Yeah and what sort of reactions from kids have you had? Have you found that kids have been surprised by what they may have believed to be fun or yeah. you know how do they do they take that on um, Yeah it, 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 is, it definitely is good it, that those conversations, though, and teasing those ideas out of them is really, really powerful. And getting them to to reflect and on these things as well is it's it's crucial. Um, you know, we give even an example of if I'm walking across the classroom and I trip and a trip over a bag and uh, another pupil starts to laugh at me. Mm. Well, is that bullying or is that not bullying? And quite a majority, like when we put that poll up, like a lot of them actually say that it is bullying. But then mm. we're able to reflect on the child. Well. You know, all all that happened there was a child laughed at you. Is that enough to 
mm. to say that that's bullying behavior? Is that yeah. enough to bring them to the principal and get them in trouble? Because mm. they merely just laughed. Which is a quite a natural reaction, isn't it? Like, cause, like we all laugh yeah. in places where we don't mean to, yeah. kind of at certain times. So as you say, if that's identified then as being bullying, like, you know. So it's distinguishing between something maybe been, been you know, laughing is maybe, it's maybe a bit insensitive, but there's a big difference between something been insensitive mm. and something been bullying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I suppose the younger that they start thinking about that and identifying those situations, the better. What's it like in secondary school? So I, I, like at this stage of your business, there's surely probably not been the time to have an opportunity where you've worked with a pupil from eight to 18. So you're going into pri- or to secondary schools, I imagine, mm-hmm. at certain stages where they've never met you before. You're very new. to yeah. They're new to this. How does that compare to going into a primary school and trying to teach at. Yeah, I suppose in, in in secondary schools we would be working with sort of bigger numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that um, you know you have maybe a, a room there of 120 pupils compared to a classroom in a primary school of 25. Yeah. Um, but but the same concepts apply. Or it, it needs to be sort of fun and engaging. You need to be teaching them real practical strategies going to to, to help them progress through their student life. So in secondary schools we would have things that would be predominantly workshops delivering on. Uh, the transition, um, yes. making choices in year ten, then study skills, um, preparing them for exams as well for the the pressures exams uh, bring, um, and then we're we're creating again. We want to go Ireland wide with us, so this year we're creating uh, a program for the transition year. So Brilliant. I've actually got someone of a bringing on an additional member of staff to focus on that. Um, so is that a that's going to be an opportunity. That's going to that yeah. come along for somebody now down here yeah. um, to to join the team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, that's really good. And um, talk to us then about your numbers. So you've really you've you've great traction in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Because um, looking there, we've worked with I guess, three in total. I think with three hundred and seventy schools. Uh, fantastic. And that's I think it was maybe a thousand and fifty schools um, in the north here, and even. That approach we talked around, like over COVID, like obviously it was tough and challenging. Schools were closed down, but we developed then our, our online program so that we could be delivering support to pupils in that time from you know from the house. Yeah, uh, and that that's just created something a completely new strand how we do things. Um, then off the back of that, we were always for for staff development weeks, for children's mental health week, and anti bullying week we were always, we just couldn't supply the demand and that was always causing a real frustration because we were having to, say, having to say no to so many schools. But we yeah. developed that megathon model where we can, we'll deliver workshops that schools will access online. We're, we're live, but we might be in the one workshop delivering to, you know, to 15 classrooms simultaneously. Yeah. So the impact that that's had in terms of numbers has been significant. Uh, 2029 for Anti-Bullion Week, we were working with I think it was 350 children across that week. But then with the online megathon model, that number within um, two years increased to 5,000. Fantastic. Yeah. It's absolutely uh, like from, you know, not just from a business point of view, but for what your, the help that you were given at that time yeah. because it was so, it was emotionally distressing for a yeah. lot of people. It was very stressful. Anxiety was everywhere at every age level. So to be able to reach those people 
at those numbers like huge, it's phenomenal huge yeah. same, same with Children's Mental Health Week same with the staff development you know that those weeks were we're just able to, to supply the schools that want our support um, yeah. and that's also enabled us then to go you know to go countrywide yes. uh, and even beyond because it's a model and a, it's a process that, that works you know yeah. we, we've we've got a tried and tested trusted model there that the children love yeah. and staff the feedback we've been getting from staff as well it's been incredible so I'm just I'm really delighted that we're able to to do that yeah well look there's no limit when it, yeah. you know when it comes to online stuff just to break it down for uh, again like for educators anybody thinking like I really like the sound of this I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you do with staff um, but just to kind of be clear so you at one stage went into classrooms there, there's yourself and there's Carlos Carlos uh, yeah so he goes into uh, he was going into classrooms again Covid came your model changed do you still go into classrooms yes we do indeed right yeah. okay yeah. so you do both do now do both and also brilliant for schools because not everyone has the time or the capacity or whatever to have some somebody coming in that mm-hmm. might prefer that model of, of being online. How does how does that work like? So when a school approaches you, tell us about the six, you've got six workshops. Yeah. Do they sign up to one? Do they commit to the six at the start of the year? And tell us about cost as well because... Whatever works, you know, okay. like we want to create it, uh, create a model that's as flexible as possible and schools are able to to choose well this is a need here this workshop maybe isn't like there's no we don't want to put any pressure you know for them to to have to sign up to things that maybe won't work for them or they don't need yeah so with the workshops we deliver anti-bullying um, with enhancing resilience tackling anxiety uh, emotional growth we've got the transition sixth class transition and then we're creating a new one uh, for Children's Mental Health Week so that's yeah. what are we calling it emotional detectives I think we've <laughs> There's no content yet, but we've got a name for it. It's most important thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I, so that they're all seventy-five minute workshops. So we've got a theme a month, and we'll have six options that schools can choose from in terms of times and dates. So tr- trying again to create as much op- opportunities and options as possible. So if okay. schools have GA on that day, and then we're doing choir this day maybe the third day might work for them you know so trying to trying to provide that and then 75 minute workshop highly interactive engaging stuff um and then we'll deliver content and then you know we'll we'll let the children and in the classroom and the staff just you know take a bit of time to to dissect it to to maybe have a discussion around it and then they'll they'll just put what what they've come up with the ideas they've come up with in the zoom chat we'll then We'll then look at that. We'll read things, what the, what each of the schools have come up with. Yeah. The schools maybe have the opportunity to learn off each other because there's, you know, 15, 16 classes really at the same time. That, yeah. um, we've got a simultaneous Kahoot quiz running as well. So each school will be signed up to to that. And okay. then there's a leaderboard and it's <laughs> one of the feedback we got from uh, principal or one of the So we sent feedback out to teachers after it and how could it be improved. One was, just give us 10 seconds between each Kahoot question because I think it's chaos in the classroom and see their, <laughs> the see their, the see their, uh, in, the, in the leaderboard but yeah uh, so again and we're, we're trying to make it like really relatable mm-hmm. and engaging for the pupils so we've stories from um, as I mentioned there um, Britain's Got Talent Find a Nemo so it's it's trying to find you know key messages within within you know, TV programs within stories within cartoons within films that the children can 
really relate to. There's stuff around Inside Out as well. Um, yeah, yeah, that's really That they really relate to. And then it's teaching them, you know, as you said, there are even, you know, things around squared breathing, hunting the good, um, how to deal with setbacks, you know, real, real, real powerful ideas that then that staff can then, you know, would, would send in uh, follow-up as well, follow-up resources and tasks for the teachers to be working through with the pupils. So then the concepts are being embedded in the classroom. So it's not just us coming in for a 75-minute workshop. There's follow-on there with the ultimate aim that the pupil, or the staff and pupils are both able to embed independently cr- cr- critical strategies that are going to enhance the, the well-being within the classroom. Brilliant. So there's, there's like a few things there. I mean, you're listening to people, excuse me, you're listening to people about what they've taken from it mm-hmm. and how, what they need, what they, you know, if there's anything else that you can add in there, that's both brilliant for your business, but also brilliant for them because mm-hmm. there's that aftercare yeah. type system. So yeah. can they get specific with you, you know, afterwards? Can they follow up and say, look, I've this one pupil who I, I noticed what you said about that. Can you advise us? on such and such a thing. That's a really, really good, um, because you get the, you get the whole group, as you say, they can learn from each other mm-hmm. and also like connecting schools together. And I know that that's one thing like, um, that I, I don't think there could be too much of mm-hmm. are schools working together and schools are great at that, like community coming together. Um, but where schools don't, where there's new principles, where they don't know each other um, and having each other to turn to as well, I think, you know, directly within their community, uh, you're bringing people together as well, yeah. um, which is a really lovely thing. Um, just that that last bit about the the teachers, the mm-hmm. staff. Mm. I just, I'd love to know like a little bit more about that and what you know what you find their issues are um, and how you help with that. Yeah, um, we've, we've workshops around you know resilience, uh, balance, and adaptability. Mm. Um, so this was one of the things teachers. The, the feedback would have been getting a lot was like creating balance in life, you know, where, okay. yeah, and like one of the, I suppose the core concepts we talk around with staff is keeping their table stable. Okay. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's just an analogy. I don't know where it came from, but I, I definitely don't think I, I made it up. Maybe I did. Uh, oh, but, you should Oh, yeah, it's you mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but right. j- just when we look at life as, you know, like, I suppose like we say it or in the workshops we would talk about it being, you know, like a table and the, mm. the way to keep a table stable is strong legs. So when we break our life down, like I look at it, you know, we've got a professional leg, um, fun family and friends leg, which is our social leg, and then our health leg. So when we break that down, we'll look at uh, our sleep, what, we, what we're eating, and then movement. Um, mm-hmm. So I would talk to staff, you know, when you remove any one of them legs or you're not supporting one of them legs, the table becomes a bit wobbly. You take yeah. another leg away, my mum's from the country, you should say, it's in danger of coping. <laughs> and what we generally find with staff is that the, the leg they would focus most on would be their, their work leg. And, okay. you know, when you're neglecting those other things in life, there's danger of burnout, there's danger of, as I mentioned, there, it, it, it coping and collapsing. So we would break those legs down, explore them in greater detail, and then it would actually set staff, you know, in twos there, or twos and threes, where they would discuss over the next six weeks identify one of the legs and what they can physically be doing to support that. Uh, and again, it's just, it's, I suppose it's taking things beyond the classroom um, as well. We would look at professional stra- strategies as well where staff can, you know, 
what they can be doing to collectively support the culture within the school, what they can be delivering in the classroom. So it's it's kind of a three-prong approach when we deliver work with, with staff development where it's strategies around, uh, as I mentioned there, personally, professionally, and then um, collectively. But again, we're taking inspiration from other sources, like clips from friends, from uh, Bruce Forsyth. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's just trying to f- make it fun, yeah, engaging, and deliver strategies that's going to help them. Absolutely brilliant. I have to say that actually isn't what I expected you to say. I thought it would be very much focused on the professional end of things, but like we're all people at the end of the day who have families, friends, social lives. Sometimes people can, particularly I think teachers, like know a lot of teachers through our business and principals who the job is huge and it is very hard to kind of separate yourself. And I know, I know a lot of, uh, well, we all know a lot of people like that in a lot of areas, a lot of business. I think we could all do a bit of what you're doing, Cormac, to be honest. You said it there, like before they're, uh, before they're teachers, they're people, you know, and there's Mm -hmm. a saying I would give, you know, you have to be selfish to allow you to be selfless. So the role of, uh, of, of teachers, classroom assistants, principals, is a selfish role where you're in service to others. But if you're not selfish and finding your own time to keep that table stable, you're not giving pupils you at your best. You're actually underselling them. So you need to be selfish with your own time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that is so, so important. Absolutely. I think I, I've actually, as a parent, been told that. Like mm-hmm. that, you know, this whole idea of mental health, you're, you know, going to the gym where you feel guilty if you take that half an hour for yourself or your hour for yourself, you go for a swim or whatever it is and you're like, no, no, there's something else I could be doing if it's not work, it's home. But actually you're a better version of yourself Mm -hmm. if you allow yourself that As I say, you you can't pour from an empty, you can't pour from an empty cup, is it? Maybe a cup, yeah. Is it? I don't even know. We'll go with that. Treadmark that as well. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, David has just confirmed Sweet that. Sweet David, thank you. <laughs> um, Cormac, that's absolutely brilliant. Unfortunately, we've come to the end uh, of this episode of the Emu Wing podcast. So I'd like to thank you, uh, Cormac, for being here. It's been really interesting, like such a wide variety uh, of workshops. And as I said earlier, help like mm. for schools where I think it's really, really needed. Um, so thank you very much for being here and I hope that we're talking to you again soon thanks for the invite thanks too to the South Dublin podcast studio here in Dundrum for their expertise and thank you at home we hope you enjoyed it if you want to find out more about what we are up to at Emu Inc follow us on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at Emu Publishing rate, review and subscribe to our podcast and log on to emuinc.ie for more information thanks again and see you next time 